you know, I think in some ways I feel very much like a, a conductor. That's Erica Smith describing her role as Chief Executive Officer at Renetics Bio. Listen in now and hear Erica's vision for Renetics. I'm John Simboli. You're listening to Bio Boss. Today I'm speaking with Erica Smith, CEO at Renetics. Erica, can you start with telling me, how did you find yourself here at Renetics? Well, I'll give you a little bit of my background. Um, I actually previously had been at Yale um, and had launched and run a number of life science investment funds for the university. And prior to that, I had really been mostly on the investor side of things. So I've seen dozens and dozens of companies in my career and helped them and managed them and supported them. And this company came across my uh, desk from Yale, from a, a faculty member at the university. Um, and never in my career had I found something that was so exciting. And I literally quit my day job, having read about and learned about the science. And um, so that's kind of how I came to be. So it's, I've been um, in the company about a year and a half now. You know, it's, it's funny how you have your career build over many, many years. And it really does feel like the culmination of a lot of all the experiences kind of coming together to make this successful. So going way back in time, one of the questions I'm interested in is, is sort of the formative image somebody had of himself or herself early and, and whether that transfers for a lot of people. They didn't become a fireman or a, a nurse or a princess, but <laughs> <laughs> do you remember way back to when you were maybe eight or nine or ten what it was you thought you wanted to do? So, yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I don't know about eight or nine or 10, but I know kind of in my teen, like early teen years, I had, um, said, I really want to travel the world. I want to be a translator. I want to speak French and communicate. And the, the, the sad part about that is I have no talent in that area. So, so philosophically, it's a very cool idea. Um, but if you talk to anyone, I don't even try to challenge me on that. So, so, but I, you know, I think in some ways I've, I still am a translator. I'm still a translator um, in regards to science and business. And so um, I love science. I've always loved science. And um, kind of in my, you know, as I went to college, I studied biomedical and electrical engineering. Um, and I really felt that on my epitaph, there's going to be Erica changed something in medicine. I didn't know what it was. Um, and so I, I do feel like I've kind of continued down that path. And that translation piece of being able to understand the science, but yet put the business needs behind it is, you know, really it is kind of the piece that I accomplished, even though it's not French, so to speak. <laughs> when I think of a translator, I think of someone in one on one level who takes something and moves it directly to something else. But I also think of the word interpreter, which is rather similar. Mm -hmm. And I'll bet part of what you do is interpreting. You want to yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you have, you know, the deep science, you've got, you know, all the, 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 the molecular interactions, all the sort of the deep pieces, and you do need to take that up to a, a level that lay people can understand. And actually, you know, one of the really interesting things about this company, and we didn't really talk about the, the nuance of it right yet, but we are working in the central nervous system. We're actually, um, 
you know, if we're successful, we'll be able to reverse spinal cord injury. We'll be able to, you know, provide function to people that, that haven't had that before. So at the end of the day, the science is deep. There's so much there, but it's, it's a, it's a very simple kind of concept that people can get. And so that interpretation between the deep science, but yet the, the outcome to individuals is, is really kind of the, the thing that resonated with me and, and resonates with many, many people that we speak to about our, our company and what we're working on. You know, my, my default is as a scientist that kind of brought business on, so I always kind of feel like there's always, you need to, you know, tra- people that have deep science backgrounds have an easy, in my opinion, you know, those are the people that can best translate to the business. Um, not to say there aren't unique individuals that just have business and are able to go backwards. Um, but I, you know, I kind of take it from that perspective as science and moving it forward. How did you decide you wanted to lead a biopharma company? Well, you know, as I was, I was saying earlier, um, I have been spending the majority of my career in investments and I had a fund where Johnson and Johnson had put money in and we were putting capital into everything from biotherapeutics to healthcare IT. Um, and then at Yale, I launched and ran two investment funds for the university. So, you know, when you see a lot of different, um, technologies and ideas, um, all, you know, all very exciting where there's money that's been put behind it. Um, you know, you, 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 you support it, you're, you know, you're there, but I think, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, the, the, the concept of, well, you know, am I the hammer? Am I the egg? And I'm, you know, when you're talking about, you know, are you really committed to doing this? And, um, I never had really found a company and an opportunity that had the op- the potential that this one had and that my background and experience would be core and critical to making it happen. And so, um, you know, it, it, it was, it, this is, you know, in some ways, you know, sort of the swan song of my career where it's all been additive. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel very privileged, very lucky to be able to have sat at the university, have had the experience and, and the connections, and then to be able to, um, you know, jump out and, and, and lead this organization. I, you know, sort of as an aside, maybe I'll mention is um, an important part in my role previously and, and really throughout my career has also been to encourage women to um, be leaders in science, which is, you know, still, you know, um, sorely underrepresented um, in investment, sorely underrepresented, and certainly at a C-level, sorely underrepresented. So, you know, in some ways, I, you know, I certainly hope my, my role and my, you know, activity and actually going forward, you know, can potentially, you know, continue to change the world um, with different uh, models. What were you hoping to achieve that you might not have been able to achieve if you'd chosen a different company? Yeah, it's actually sort of funny. I, you know, when I when I first connected with Renetics and the, the science, uh, you know, again, I'll, I'll go back. I'm a biomedical and electrical engineer, and there's nothing more biomedical and electrical engineering than working in um, connections in the central nervous system. It's the body's electrical system. So way back, you know, 25 plus years ago that I studied the, you know, the, the science, so to speak, it's very different. I mean, it's not the same, but it's, it's, it's quite extraordinary to be working in a company that is, that's the core and critical piece of what we're trying to achieve. For someone who's outside the field and I say, well, Erica, what do you do? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, well, I, 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 you know, whether it's up or whether it's down, I kind of simplify it. You know, I'm working with, you know, with the technology that can make people walk again or, or have functionality where they've been paralyzed. So people get that right away. You know, we don't go into it's a, you know, a fart, you know, a biotechnology company doing all of these things. I can certainly talk that talk, but I think at a very high level, people get that. And, um, you know, people are excited about it. They want to hear more. And, you know, I think that's what we're doing as an organization is working in an area that where there's people that are, are you know, and, and very often when I when I say what I do, what frequently people will say, I know someone or my brother or my, you know, my neighbor. I want to find out more about what you guys are doing. And so it brings it really, really quickly to a personal connection many, many times for individuals. And so that's rewarding because I know that we've connected both on the science and then the opportunity that we're, we're developing as well. What can you say about being a leader and and what you've found that works for you what 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 management style have you did you have one that you had sort of anticipated you would have and then one that you have have based on experience yeah it's a it's a really good question we're, you know we're a we're a relatively small team um we're there we're the five of us and we manage a lot of people it's like an orchestra uh that we have people that we manage externally because you know you don't have to necessarily have everybody within the organization to accomplish what you need to so for example on the manufacturing side of things we probably have dozens of people that work at a different facility for us on our bioanalytics dozens so you know i think in some ways i feel very much like a, a conductor um and in and being able to sort of like pull people forward that need a little bit more um but we but i've got great individuals at the company i i couldn't be i couldn't feel happier about the team that we have right now um everybody has um such depth such commitment to what we're working on um it's not you know they're they're more driven than i am they worry more than i am and so really at the end of the day i'm just as a supporting mechanism to make sure that they have what they need um, you know, sometimes I dig into the details, you know, because I, that's who I am and, um, and, you know, just kind of pull pieces out. But at the end of the day, it's just making sure that you kind of keep all the plates in the air, you keep people pulled in and are, you know, are additive to the work that, you know, the individuals are doing in my organization to support the many, 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 many people uh, that are extended from the company. What's new at Renetics? So we are in the process, we're still a preclinical organization, um, but we're right on the cusp of working with the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, to be able to get approval for our program and our product to be able to test it in clinical trials. So that's a huge inflection point from a company. It, it takes the culmination of a career from Stephen Stripmatter, who's our technical founder, and it actually makes it real. It makes it something that um, has been tested many, many times in animals, and now this is this is the big translation: <laughs> is can we take what was done early and actually impact um, human life with our benefit? Do you feel um, the mixture of giddiness and excitement and um, 
I, I hope I do. I think right now it's just there's so much you're you're so into the details of making sure that everything goes well, that everything that we need to have in place is there. So I maybe you know maybe you can ask me in a, when, once we get to that point. But right now it's you know it's it's literally just making sure that we're checking every box. It's so important to to have the right you know to have a safe. Um, product protocol, you know, it's it's critical that what we're doing, um, you know, for patients, and so we're kind of, you know, really really focused on making sure that we're doing everything um, correctly right now, um, and then you know, hopefully when we get to the other side, we can talk about the you know the giddiness of of accomplishment. Right now, it's focused on flawless execution. Absolutely, absolutely. Who is Renetics? Mm-hmm. So we say we're a privately held organization that's located in New Haven, Connecticut, spun out from Yale University's research. So, yeah, that's kind of what we do. And as I said, at the higher level or the lower level, the, the point is we're, we are reversing injury um, in the central nervous system, so brain, spinal cord, where really there is no treatment today. Um, uh, you know, the science has shown, and this, and this has kind of been well established for many years, is if you have a brain injury um, or you're, you know, in a car accident and damage your spinal cord, there's no, there's no coming back from that. The damage is permanent. That's been well understood for many, many years. Um, if you cut yourself, you cut your hand, you cut your leg, there can be regeneration, but there is no regeneration in the central nervous system. The technology that we're working with has the ability to create regeneration, recreate connections that haven't been established to date. And so it is a, a very, very big picture of what we're doing. And if we are successful, it'll be the first time that there's ever been sort of a, a reconnection after disease or damage in, in those systems. So, um, huge unmet need and, um, you know, that's the sort of the big picture of what, what, what we're working on and what the opportunity is. Near the beginning, I think you said something like you hoped that someday people would say of that eight or nine-year-old, oh, yeah, Eric is someone who changed things and changed life. I mean, that, that would change. Absolutely. This is, this, this, this is not – so I was on a panel at, at one point, and they said, you know, we're doing some – you know, um, disease supporting therapy. So not changing. And I'm like, those, that's great. I mean, people need to work on all, all parts of the spectrum for therapeutics, but I'm like, this is disease modifying therapy for central nervous system disease and damage. Like there, that's a swing for the fences. This is not a small incremental step. If we are successful, this will be absolutely, it's something that's never been accomplished. So the bar is very, very, very high, but if we're able to be successful, um, it will be something that has never been done before without question. So, you know, you can't ask for anything more than that. To, to take that one more step towards being graphic and literal, is there a way to talk about it? If, if, you, if, if I can picture someone who's so severely debilitated they hardly exist and then potentially someday they could be yeah well i mean so so what what our what our hope and our goal is and and in our um in our trials we are trying to create functionality where people who have specifically are in in the first um, trial that we're working on is in 
spinal cord injury, so people that have been paralyzed, that um, after uh, about a year of, you know, uh, having injury, there's basically a flat line. There's no improvement that patients will see because there's no regeneration. There's no regrowth. It is what it is. And so what we foresee, if we're successful in what we've seen in on animal studies, is that functionality for the very first time will be able to be accomplished. Um, you know, and if you can extrapolate what we've been able to see in in you know, uh, uh, rat studies um, early on, and we've had some non-human primate studies as well, is that nearly a third of um, rats that were treated with our um, technology um, regained weight bearing. So in other words, they had no, they were not able to, to walk on their hand limb, hind limbs, and a third of them after therapy were able to, even after what is defined as a chronic time point. So where they've been damaged, and there's no continued improvement even after that. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a high bar that we we want to accomplish, but we have models to show that we we can accomplish that, and um, that's what our that's what we're aiming towards. When you tell the story that you've just been telling to me about what Renetics is and what you're trying to accomplish, I imagine sometimes you you hear the playback from them. You say they got it. And I'm sure that feels good. And then sometimes you hear them saying something to you and you probably think they didn't get it. So when you tell the story and people don't understand, mm -hmm. what kinds of things do they not understand? Um, you know, there's a there's people that are working in this area or in general in this area. So the, probably the most common question I get is the stem cells. It is not. It's a it's a biologic. Um, so, but that's that's typically what people think about and. Um, you know, the interesting thing that our molecule is, um, is actually it, there's inhibitors that exist in the central nervous system that, that basically are there, that when you have damage, there's no regeneration. They're, they're there sort of as an adult protective mechanism. What our technology is actually doing is removing these inhibitors and letting the body regenerate naturally. So it's a, a small but very, very important differentiator from other kind of technologies that are out there. Um, you know, for people that understand cancer and oncology, what we what has happened in a lot of therapies is you use the body's own immune system to fight the cancer. That's kind of been the the therapies. There's a lot of interest. It's a lot of su success that's been happening. And very much along those lines is using the body's own abilities. That's what we intend to do in the central nervous system for the very first time. Let the body actually regenerate by removing these stopping mechanisms and let the, let, um, the, you know, the, the protection happen um, internally. So this is a little bit about partnerships, like you were talking about before, about being a conductor. The conductor has lots of partners to work with, uh, the horn <laughs> section and all. Uh, <laughs> So let's look at a couple of different ways. What kinds of partners, let's not talk about people who work directly at Renex, but what kinds of partners do you find make a good fit to the company? You know, although we're a small company, we um, don't think small. We have the very top talent that we've engaged in outsourcing our, you know, the pieces that we need to put into place. Um, and, you know, that that's an important part is being able to, um, you know, have that extension of ourselves be in the very, very top tier of individuals. And so that's what we look at. Um, I think actually a lot of my role 
coming into the company is has been about filtering and, and interviewing and making sure that we have the right people around us. You sometimes can start down a direction and as you learn more about those individuals or those groups, not that there's anything wrong with them, but they're not the right fit for us. And so um, I think probably over the last year and a half, we have the absolute superstars um, in our back pocket, be it individuals or be it um, larger organizations. And I, f- I absolutely feel 100% confident, confident about that. And, you know, that's, that's what our job is, is to bring those individuals into our, into our team and extend from there. If a couple years from now you're hiring 200 people and they're saying, uh, gee, I wonder if I'd be a good fit, Trying to look down the road if you <laughs> what kind of people would thrive working here with you? Well, I mean, I think listen, this company that there's so much ups and downs in a small company, you've got to be you know maybe when I have two hundred, I'll be at a different place, but you've got to be willing to ride the roller coaster in biotechnology as a, as a whole you you just you have to be comfortable with ambiguity and and the ability to to run a, a million different ways and and have things that you lined up not necessarily always work as expected, but I also think. You have to, you know, be committed to the bigger picture. I mean, if, you know, nobody, I don't do this. Nobody on my team is doing this job. There's a lot of other easier jobs to do, tons and tons and tons that are more predictable and all of that. So there has to be a bigger vision of why people are connecting and working on this. And, you know, those are the people that ideally you would recruit, that you would be part of, that that really are inspired with the work that we're doing, that you're not punching a clock, um, you know, that, that you're just driving and you're making everything happen. Um, and I guess sort of on top of that, you know, people that are in the details, will, you know, getting, you know, thinking a couple steps ahead, like where could these things, where could we go off the tracks? That's the way companies are going to be successful, any company. And I feel that very, very specifically here. And maybe that's the engineer in me coming out because, you know, getting into those details is how we're going to be successful, is not taking anything for granted and making sure that we're thinking about all the the specifics as well. When you allow yourself to picture success, and I know you're not eager to do that until the company is successful, but not in terms of money, not in terms of fame not in terms of any of those things but in terms of the good you might do what do you allow yourself to think of like this could this could really change for me and this is the reason i'm in the company this is this technology and this opportunity could be the very first time that you can actually address and reverse damage in the brain and in the spinal cord so this is not this is a very very big picture of what we can achieve. These are, you know, think about stroke, think about, you know, people in car accidents, think about any kind of damage in those in those systems and this will be the very first technology that has the potential to uh reverse those sorts of conditions. So it's big big vision um and you know that's what I would hope um, we achieve through our trials going forward. Why, why did Renetics choose to be in New Haven? Um, well, uh, our faculty founder is still a, a, 
a university professor at, at Yale, so it makes it easy. Um, I had been in, I've, I'm relative, relatively new to Connecticut. I've lived here six years now. Um, and I had, since moving here, had been commuting up from Westport to Yale for four or five years in my previous role. I love New Haven. And so from my perspective is, uh, number one, uh, this is the place to be. This is where biotechnology is. I have colleagues. I have connections. There was just really no question about us being in New Haven. Do you think about your work in terms of New Haven, Connecticut, the, the corridor from Boston to New York, the whole nation, the world? I mean, probably all of those. Yeah. Where, what... In terms of communicating with your colleagues, what is your locus? What's your framework that is use, use, most useful to you? Um, well, let's say let, we'll we'll start with Connecticut. I mean, Connecticut is not a very as it sort of goes without saying, but it's not a very big state. So when I first moved here, I felt like I kind of within six months felt like I had a pretty good handle on most of the movers and the shakers that were in the biotech community. And, and I, I still feel that way. I feel like we're a small community. We can get to know each other on a very personal level, hugely important when we're, when you're recruiting or you're looking for funding, I feel like there's just this foundation of support that exists. So I, I think Connecticut plays a very, very important role of those connections, but I don't also, I've, I've lived so many places in my life. I don't see myself just as a Connecticut person because I do recognize the importance of connections up to Boston and down to New York. And I spend a lot of time in both as well as on the West coast. Um, you know, it's funny. Um, I grew up in the Midwest and so I've been out there, talked to, you know, sort of technologies and, you know, and they, they really have a more of a challenge of, of getting, connected to, to necessarily capital and it's changing, but I'm just, you know, it, when we, but when we look at ourselves, we're really, we really are a corridor. I mean, it's, we couldn't be in a better part of the country. Um, and so I feel very lucky that we kind of can, you know, have that extended community, uh, up and down from where we are. And, um, it makes it easy to, you know, to recruit, to fundraise and to do all the things that you need to do as a as a startup company and i know you touched on this but i'll just ask it directly to is it possible to have access to capital when you're not in new york or not in toronto or not in hong kong or? <laughs> yeah i mean absolutely you've just got to, you've got to have good science at the end of the day you could be wherever um but i think that the i think that the access sitting here to go up to boston and down to new york and and within the state itself is you know there's there's no there's no excuse that you can't raise money here. I mean I think you just have to have the right you know pieces and the right story. How do we communicate that there are multiple centers of of research and science in our state? Right, right. I mean you know I think Farmington and the work that's going on up at UConn is 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 amazing. I, you know I think the way I think about Yale is certainly you've got to leverage it and, and to the extent that it has been, you know, that this is, it's a centralizing point. It can bring people from all over the world to Connecticut to sort of see research. And, and I, and, and without question, there's other amazing things that are going on as well. So it is really just trying to make sure that we can pull together and, and speak with a common voice for the community as a whole. I think we'll, we'll certainly be stronger for that. I definitely think 
you know, having having connections and having a point of ways to bring things together is very important. Um, BioCT, for example, um, at Bio, the large organization, had a really, really wonderful pavilion last year. I've seen it grow up from basically, you know, very little early early days just over the last few years to a, you know, a very uh, substantial um, exhibit. So, you know, I think we're, I think we're getting there. I just, it takes time. It takes, you know, leadership to, to make all that happen. You know, Connecticut Innovations is a supporter. They, they closed um, and, and really, uh, they sit on our board, have been a supporter of the company from its early days, way before me. And, you know, without that foundation, this company and the technology that we're working on would not exist. So they have been unbelievably valuable as, an, as a supporter, as an asset to bringing what we have forward um, on not just on the funding side, but also on the, the leadership and, and everything else. Um, you know, Dave Warzer sits on our board and I, you know, I could not speak more highly of an individual that is committed and really goes beyond the sort of the, you know, the day job, so to speak, to make things happen. And um, we're very lucky to have that um, organization within Connecticut and supporting our, our, our community as a whole. What, what role does Women in Bio play in making things happen here? You know, having avenues to encourage uh, diversity in, in science and in leadership is, is really important. Women in Bio is, is you know, one key area. Um, but kind of holistically, I'm, you know, what, whatever the case, be biotechnology, be, be it investment, be it anything, you know, anything that we can kind of get the word um, out and, and additional support. Um, I was actually selected to write a, a book for J.P. Morgan about encouraging women and diversity for accelerators and entrepreneurship centers. And so, you know, it doesn't live just in one area. It, you know, anything that we can do to expand that is is incredibly important. And, um, you know, that's a it's a side job. It's not my day job, but it's absolutely corn critical. It's it's something that um, it's what I, I live and breathe is to making sure that we have um, uh, more diversity, uh, you know, kind of across the board. So um, organizations that do that, I you know, I'm, I'm very supportive of and, and definitely want to, you know, continue to do what I can to make it happen. You know, one of the good things about being Connecticut is not only can we attract top talent, but we can retain top yeah. talent. Do you want to say anything about retention? No, absolutely. I mean, our team is together because there is interest in staying in Connecticut. And um, it, it is an important part. You know, I, at the end of the day, listen, we're not going to be able to compete with Boston. If people want to go, they're going to go, you know. But if people want to have the quality of life and they've got kids, you know, a lot of it is they have kids in school, they've set down roots here, they don't want to, you know, go other places, it, it puts us in, in, in a huge advantage in some ways to be able to attract them. And, in fact, um, you know, I, I feel that's part of the reason that we've been able to hire the quality of individuals that we have that have – 30 plus years of experience is because they want to stay here and they don't want to commute and they don't want to drive, you know, two hours. Not that there's anything wrong with other parts of the, you know, the, the country, um, but it is a huge advantage. And, um, you know, I think the piece that people say quite frequently is we just need to have enough of a 
a, a group of companies that if one doesn't work out, that there's some other place that they could default to. In Boston, you can walk down the street and you kick, an, you know, you got another job like offer. So I think that, you know, having a, you know, a basis of, of additional successful organizations that come out of um, this community will help us in the long run um, to continue to recruit and certainly retain the talent. Thank you for talking to me today, Erica. <laughs>